0: Hello and thank you for clicking and thank you for listening. This is Policing Matters, the Police One Podcast. I'm Doug Wiley.
1: Hey, welcome back. I'm Jim Dudley.
0: Jim, you know, we've seen yet again um, the unthinkable happen in Orlando at the Pulse Nightclub with Omar Mateen slaughtering 49 innocent individuals out for a good time on a Saturday night. And the the attack that he he the terrorist attack that he committed had a couple of phases to it and some have criticized that there was about a three hour um, duration between when the shooting started and when uh, Mateen was ultimately um, uh, taken out by uh, responding officers. But what some folks probably in the public, certainly not us, um, have criticized is that 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 window was allowed to transpire with no action happening. And the fact of the matter is, there was a lot of action happening. Um, There was, it shifted from being a, an active shooter to being a barricaded gunman with hostages. And obviously tactics have to change there. Um, the gunman was in phone contact and other contact with the outside world, including police negotiators, who at a certain point decided that um, that he posed an imminent immediate threat uh, to for further um, killing. And that's when they decided to, to first use explosive breaching and then ram the back of the building with the Bearcat and make entry and, and neutralize that threat. Um, you know, I know you've you've had a lot of experience in various special operations. You want to talk to some of the phases that the commanders and the officers there uh, were, were going to?
1: Sure. Well, I would I would have to start by saying when we talked about the the attacks in Belgium and France uh, a month or so ago, um, I was critical of the response and the, the real downtime that it took for Uh, armed response uh, by specialized police units to respond to those um, terrorist events. I think it was really smart for the Orlando PD and for the tactical officers to come out and to push more information out to allay the fears uh, that the public had and to sort of silence the critics to say, hey, we really were doing something. And it really sounds like um, it was handled appropriately, in my opinion. I think that... uh, The first response has to come based on what you're hearing from your 9-11 calls, your 9-1-1 calls. And that information was spotty. There was no information on what the suspect looked like, how many suspects there were, what types of weapons were being used. Apparently, you had an off-duty officer working security there who briefly engaged uh, the madman in a firefight, but he withdrew for whatever reasons. And... I'm sure he was used for intelligence uh, by the responding uh, specialized units. So as I understood it, and I I only know this from the same open source public uh, accounts that you've read as well, that uh, the on-scene commander expressed that uh, during this downtime, during uh, this lengthy process, that several rescues were being taken place, that uh, several... uh, Exits and and walls that were not exits were breached in order to uh, pull and rescue people from the the Pulse nightclub. You also had uh, several injured people in and around the club. You had the worried well, and I think for for people who see TV shows or movies that show <laughs> cops running into the place, firing you know in every direction and managing to hit only the suspects. That's clearly Uh, fiction yeah so these these situations are hectic they're chaotic they're confusing it's hard to know who from one from the other so you imagine chaos they set up a perimeter they start to evacuate the injured the worried well they can't just let them self-evacuate they've got to get some intelligence from them they've got to make sure that they're not a suspect or part of the suspects they've got to do some preliminary searching and try to get as much information as they can then those people go they certainly people who need aid get the aid but others are questioned and and uh, sequestered um i think they save lives by doing this i think they save lives by attending to the people that they could first holding the perimeter until they can get more information. To send officers in uh, may have jeopardized the people inside, may have jeopardized the officers, may have caused the suspect to do things that we didn't know uh, his capability at the time of doing.
0: Now, Mateen not only um, pronounced his allegiance to ISIS and his allegiance to the leader of that fetid organization, but he also Told authorities whether it was 911 or the negotiator, that's unclear. I don't know. Um, that he had explosives, explosive vests on himself and on some of the hostages. Right. He indicated that there was explosives placed throughout the club, right. which, you know, with that intelligence, you have to proceed with a great deal of caution because, you know, if you hit one tripwire, the whole building goes and sure. everybody is in, in peril. I understand that they were very clever at um, removing a air conditioner from a window and letting people out through there, you know, so they, they were active in their, their response. And of course at all this time swat is figuring out their breaching plans they're they're identifying which walls they're going to hit you know the a b c d discussion and they based on the map of what they know of the club and you know they hit the right wall obviously they hit it in the wrong spot at first because they kind of got in between the two bathrooms in the hallway and they had that bearcat outfitted with that you know boom um fixture um, rammed the daylights out of that thing, and they made quick entry. Once they decided to make entry, that was fast. And it was based on the fact that they must have heard something in the negotiation calls or some other indicator that that immediate action was required, right?
1: Right. right. And I think during that time, I, I, there's a probably a, a miss perception out there that, that the there was a slaughter taking place during these hours. But apparently there was a, a, a long period of time when there was no shooting. Uh, nobody was being dispatched. However, people were injured and people were bleeding and needed medical aid. It would have been great to get them out. And I think I think the law enforcement agencies there were doing everything they can to get them out. But uh, again, they're, they're trying to find out how many suspects, what kind of weapons, are there indeed explosives? Meanwhile, you have the suspect preoccupied with watching uh, social media, putting uh, messages out on social media, talking with the general news media. So you you had him preoccupied. That was good while you're still evacuating, extricating people.
0: Yeah. And I think it's important too to mention that, you know, while he was clearly confused, he pledged allegiance to a variety of organizations terrorist organizations that not just despise each other, but are actively killing each other. So you can't pledge allegiance to Hezbollah and ISIS at the same time. Obviously, he didn't know really what he was talking about, except for the fact that he wanted to be part of the jihad, and he was Googling San Bernardino terrorist attack at the same time as he was hole up in that bathroom. Again, as you would mentioned, so morbidly curious about um, the Internet and the response to his slaughter um, that he that he that he just decided to stop doing what he was doing. It's not really clear why he did it. We'll never know um, why he you know decided to stop the killing. But the fact is, is he became a he became a barricaded subject with an you know w- with armaments and up to and including um, explosives, and so that obviously renders the the situation to to a different type of tactics. I think that they did fantastically well. I think that when you read, I think it was in the LA Times this week. Um, uh, the 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 commander of Orlando SWAT giving that detailed description of all of the things that were going on with them. Um, I'm I applaud Orlando PD and and EMS and fire who came too. I mean we have to re- recognize this was a y'all come situation and I think they y'all did pretty good. Um, they improvised using you know as officers tend to do using the squad cars and ambulance and you know we saw that video of the the pickup truck and the and the casualties being put onto it. You know, I say my hat's off to you guys.
1: Oh, I think they did a tremendous job. And I think it was really smart to put out the information they did. Again, to the critics who say, well, they should have gone in and and try to just blitzkrieg the guy into submission. Um, I think they were still effective doing what they did, using the caution that they did, knowing that this, this guy was in, in possession of at least some high-powered weapons. Um, I think... Um, I think that it's difficult sometimes for people. I, I I heard some comments from people who were there, and clearly they're they're in stress. They're, they they want to be rescued. They're shouting to officers to come in and rescue them. The officers are shouting back at them or telling them to go back inside, and that's hard to hear. I I think when you look at some of the the mass shootings and you see, you know, children walking out in a straight line with their hands raised. I mean that's you know, that's for everybody's safety so that they're they're recognizable as victims and not the suspects. So, again, that that vetting that vetting procedure has to happen. And I I don't think a lot of people out there who witness this sort of event really understand that.
0: Yeah. You know, I think in kind of wrapping this segment up, we should make sure that we address the fact that this was um, a, a terrorist act committed by someone motivated by Radical Islamist jihadist concepts, if not a deep understanding of it, clearly. Um, that you know, this is this comes on the heels of San Bernardino. We've had two or three at Fort Hood alone. We've had some of these plots um, involving uh, improvised explosives. The Times Square plot that was foiled, um, the Christmas tree in Oregon, uh, Portland, Oregon, that was foiled. These these folks are here. Many of them are. Born American citizens. And, you know, we have to figure out a way. And I, I hate saying to throw more money at this uh, is going to solve it, but what we really do need are a great many more um, FBI and other counterterrorist people because it's clearly too many um, investigations that are ongoing that they, they just can't handle the workload. Right.
1: This And this was supposed to be cleaned up after 9 11 that you had the CIA, the FBI, and, and other. Agencies, federal agencies, that we're not sharing communication, not talking. And this this Orlando situation brings up so many more issues, m- many more than the, the whole gun control issue or the the police response. I mean, the you know we touched a little bit before on the 1033 program, mm-hmm. and clearly the Bearcat being used in this situation helped save lives and rescue people. And without it. Who knows what the, the body count goes up to. So I really hope that President Obama looks at his executive order that restricted the dispersal of military surplus to law enforcement agencies and really opens it up a little bit more than than the, the knee jerk that that caused his his original act.
0: Yeah, I um, I'm, I'm 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 not the kind of person to place a great deal of faith in that. Uh, happening. I certainly would like for it to happen. Um, maybe I was born too much of a pessimist or too much of a New Yorker, but I think what we really need to do is, and and you know, the, the, the fact of the matter is, uh, this can be noted too, an MRAP and a bearcat are different animals. Right. They are. One is purpose-built for law enforcement and one is purpose-built for the battlefield. Um, you can use an MRAP quite effectively as a, it's, a, it's a big armored box into which you put your first responders to go and help save lives and, and eliminate threats. But the Bearcat and others like it, there there are other manufacturers, they're purpose built for law enforcement. And I think that because they are remaining available, they're not part of the executive order. They're they're still available to law enforcement. What we need to do is figure out a way to fund agencies to, to have them, you know, and stop, not have the quote, bread truck just painted black. That's no longer an effective
1: response. Right. And we've seen its use since the North Hollywood shootout. I think any officer who listens to this program, if you're talking to neighbors or politicians about the 1033 program, just be sure and tell them not a single, as far as I know, law enforcement agency has a tank these are armored vehicles. They're used for rescue. They're, they're used for transporting personnel in and out of a, a hot zone. So they're really needed, and, and it's not turning law enforcement into the military.
0: Well, as you mentioned, the Orlando tragedy brings up a whole host of topics about which we will probably speak again. Um, our hearts, our thoughts, our prayers certainly go to Um, the victims, um, the survivors, uh, and especially, of course, the first responders who went and um, did a great job that day.
1: You're here.